Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Lower and once you're in a Donaldson, Lish, and if I got in, I can hear Lord Jeffrey the the dinner be. Me head will impalasy shockon. Ian what a yana you need. We're in the start of her Lish no budge book a shoot. Skilty, fis, turmi. Ni majigiri in drama honyal ama. Tamajigiri majhen honyal ista. Shockton. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the throw-in independent.ie's GA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and this week I caught up with Joe Brawley to look back on last weekend's football action. And I started off by asking him whether it's the end of the line for Mayo after they were beaten in the All-Ireland qualifiers by Kildare. Uh, well, Mayo have been skating on thin ice now for two years, really. I mean, last year I thought they were gone before they played Derry in the qualifier and that day I did think even though poor and all as we were and free falling through the divisions I did think Derry would beat them hmm. and you'll recall that they rallied at the end of that game and all seemed lost and the young fella from um, Cross Malina scored the great goal that brought them back into it and uh, and then they sort of they revived then after they had drawn with Roscommon the first day when they should have lost in Croke Park but they've looked very predictable this year and um, Andy Moran has lost his pace. Um, you know, every ball has been going in, has been coming out again. And, you know, that's been a feature of the last four or five games. Neither Killian nor Andy Moran have the pace. And, um, you know, they've become, I think, too easy to play against. Even Tipperary. If Tipperary had, had, uh, had not had such terrible luck with the goal that... Uh, that was scored, which was clearly a fluke, at a stage when they were three points up and looked much more potent attack-wise than Mayo. I think that um, Tipperary could easily have won that game. So I wasn't surprised at all. And I have to say I was you know, delighted for Kildare that they stuck to their guns last week. And obviously it became a great rallying point for the team. And uh, I thought they, they, they fully deserved to win the game. Do you agree, Joe, that Mayo, I guess, uh, people have been debating this, that they have, have they been the story of the last decade in Gaelic football? I know Dublin have won the All-Irelands, but do you think Mayo, their journey has... They've contributed to a lot of great games of Gaelic football. You know, I mean, almost every game they've played, you know, win, lose or draw in Croke Park has been a cliffhanger. And, you know, really it would be hard to say that there's ever been a better All-Ireland football final in last year's. And, you know, whilst their shortcomings have remained the same, you know, unable to get crucial scores in the last quarter when it really matters, 
you know, um, Killian O'Connor just not being quick enough to be a top player. You know, Andy Moran, who was very good last year, having to come off after 50, 55 minutes in every game. Uh, I mean, it's been a constant source of amazement to me that Mayo have been able to stay so close to the Dubs. And I suppose the theory that's gaining traction is that the Dubs aren't as good a team maybe as we thought. They're just in an era at the moment where, you know, football hasn't been that great. And whilst they've concentrated on playing Gaelic football and attacking and expressing themselves and building that sort of chemistry, other teams have resorted to blanket defending, etc., etc., become very predictable. And the Dubs have easily picked them off. Apart from Mayo, they've gone man-to-man against them. Do you, do you think if Mayo there. were in a different era, they would have won a couple of All-Irelands? I don't think so. I don't think so, because somebody always comes along, you know. I mean, that, I put it this way, that Mayo team certainly wouldn't have beat the Derry team I played on. You know, Kieran McKeever and Tony Scullion would have picked up Killian O'Connor and Andy Moran. And, um, you know, we would have just had too much power for them through the middle. They wouldn't have been able to deal with Anthony Tohill, for example. And, I mean, if you go through the years, the Galway team, you know, that won two All-Irelands, um, the great down team. I mean, which of those teams would they have beaten? I mean, that down front six would have absolutely annihilated that Mayo defence, uh, particularly in and around their full-back area, James McCartan, Mickey Linden, Peter Withnall. So I think that the problem with Mayo is that they just haven't been good enough. You know, I don't think it's a question of bad luck. You know, they've had many, many, many opportunities um, and they just haven't been good enough. Do you think, the, is, there, is the window closed on them winning in All-Ireland, do you think? Oh, yeah, it's all over now. I th- I mean, like their, their, their effort, some of the players' effort in the All-Ireland final last year was titanic. But the problem is that it's not across the board with them. And I think that also too much baggage was building up there. There was clearly distrust in the camp, you know. I mean, whenever Pat Holmes and Noel Kennelly revealed that, you know, uh, that some players had lobbied against David Trark being the goalkeeper, things like that. You know, some of the revelations that came out couldn't be good from the point of u- unity. And, you know, I mean, I know I was roundly criticised for calling you know, some of their players celebrity losers some time ago, but there was always the feeling that they were never going to drive through and win the All-Ireland. And, you know, it, look, they've given us huge entertainment but they just weren't good enough to be All-Ireland champions. Well, I guess at the core of their team, they still have a lot of guys who were, who were quite young, like Keenan O'Connor's in his mid-twenties, you know, Lee Keegan, Aidan yeah, O'Shea he, in their he, late twenties. He, he hasn't the pace and he's too predictable. And whenever you're talking about teams at the higher level, you know, increasingly you see Killian, he's buying frees, he's coming behind the man, he's winning frees off the ball. You know, a lot of it revolves around winning frees. Against the lesser teams, he'll score well because he has excellent technique and he's very strong. But... His lack of pace is a massive problem, you know, when it comes to those, you know, really high-class games. And, I mean, you, you look this year, for example, you look at the way Kerry are playing, you know, a voracious front six, fantastic kick passing. They've gone man-to-man now. You know, they've abandoned this, this tinkering with a sweeper. And they've gone for young, pacey, adventurous forwards. You know, they've got two superb wing half-backs now with young White joining Paul Murphy. And, I mean, from what I can see, White's every bit as quick as Jack McCaffrey. And 
you know, the way they're pushing up, the, the, the absolute um, hunger of their attack force for scores, um, their team play. I mean, what we saw against Cork even, no, we've never seen that from Mio as an attack force, nor will we ever. And, uh, you know, Kerry are now the team that can beat Dublin. And it's very, very clear that that's going to be, that's going to be where the real battle is this year. Do you, yeah, think, they, do you think they will I don't think that, I don't think, well, I don't think Niall Scully or Paddy Andrews, for example, would make it onto that carry front six. Mm. And I think that um, Dublin give you every opportunity to play. You know, you can play against Dublin. If you're man-to-man and you're good enough, well, go and beat them. We've seen that, you know, being illustrated amply by Mayo. They've had many opportunities. They just haven't gone and done it. But I, I think there's something very special about the chemistry of that carry forward line. I appreciate that they haven't had a big test yet, but nonetheless, the way they're playing, and you know, I mean, it's hard to think of a better all-round forward than Paul Ginny at the moment. Do you think the Kerry um, forward line is better than the Dublin forward line at the moment? Well, I mean, obviously Dean Rock is the best free taker in the country, and that's a huge factor. Um, it would be hard to say that any of the Kerry forwards are better than Paul Mannion, but certainly. Paul Ginny's on a level with him. Um, Con O'Callaghan Jung, I mean, he, I know that he's achieved a lot. He has some very spectacular scores in Cove Park and he's been very, very good. But look at Clifford and look at Clifford as an underage player and look at his progress to date this year. I mean, it, it's it's been a slight surprise to me that, that he's as quick as he is. I just didn't realise he was so quick and he's so powerful and two-footed and a fully sort of armed, you know, sort of attacking forward at the highest level already. And they've got a load of them. You know, and um, whenever whenever you're saying look at maybe James O'Donoghue is the weakest of that front six, <laughs> that's, that's a fair statement to make. Mm. He's fellow Shea looks superb and he's big and he's two footed and he's got everything. And it's the ease with which they play Gaelic football. Every footballer's ability to kick a long kick pass beautifully dropping into the man's chest to his advantage. The forwards only need point and run and the ball's there. And they're going to be a nightmare for anybody. And I think certainly they're coming for the dubs. Pat Bland said an interesting thing to me. He said the last time there were that number of championship debutants in a Kerry team was 1975. Mm. And, we know what, and we know what happened then. So I think that, you know, obviously against the dubs, you're always... The thing is, you've got to be able to hold your nerve because there's no way that they lose theirs, mm. you know, and they play with absolute assurance and calmness. But, you know, a Kerry team that went out there and managed to get a few goals in the first half and who are so inventive and where the crowd are going to be so excited and exhilarated by them. Dubs are four in a row and the pressure's on the Dubs, not Kerry. I'd be it's going to be, I think it's going to be really fascinating. I'd be interested to get your opinion, Joe, on one, one particular part of the Super 8s. I know you were kind of quite vocal, I guess, about the home advantage issue last week, but a lot of people are raising the point that Dublin will play two games in Croke Park in the Super 8s, yeah. and everyone else will just play one. So they, in, a, in effect, have two home games. Like, what do you make of that? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's it. Life isn't fair. You know, the Dubs are the kingpins of football. You know, if anybody has earned the right to have two home games, and also it'll fill Croke Park a couple of times. Hmm. And... Uh, I mean, what would, would you rather go and play the Dubs in Parnell Park or go and play the Dubs in Crook Park? Well, they so could they could move it to a neutral venue somewhere outside Dublin. 
they could do that. I'm sure the Dubs would be game for it. Mm. I don't think it's a matter of. I don't think it's anything to do with the Dubs themselves or their manager. Mm. Um, like they're um, they're hard to play wherever you play them. Mm. But I think that I must say I prefer to see them in Croke Park. That it's you know it's a better spectacle all around, and it is. I mean, true to say, of course, that it suits them because of the size of the pitch and the pace of the pitch. How quickly it plays. But um, anyway, I don't make a big deal out of it. I heard Jim McGuinness going on about that and saying it would taint their legacy, but that sounds nonsense, you know. Um, but Jim's it, become increasingly difficult to understand, you know. <laughs> How as so? He's, as, he's, as, as he's gone into guru mode. <laughs> you know, there's an answer for everything. You know, science is an answer for everything. And, uh, there's a way to do everything. And, you know, there's a right and a wrong answer. and You know, all that sort of stuff now. <laughs> that, that has led that has led the game into the state of disrepair that it's in. And just look any, at any. sorry, just looking ahead to the round four qualifier draws. Well, we have you know Cork versus Tyrone, Ross Common, Armagh, Leash, yeah, Monaghan, and Fermanagh. There, which one stands Fair out to you there? Well, I think that um, Kildare and Roscommon isn't that who's playing? No, Ross Common are playing Armagh, and Kildare are playing Fermanagh. Oh yes, Roscommon. Sorry, I was going to say Armagh and Roscommon will be a very attractive fixture. Armagh play very, very good football and they want to play and Roscommon are the same. And, uh, you know, I expect that to be a very, very entertaining game. And uh, Armagh will give them their fill of it. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Armagh won that one. And for, yeah, for Armagh, for Kieran McGinney, it's his 10th season as a manager. It would be the seventh yeah. time he's brought a team to the quarterfinals. That's a pretty good record. Yeah. Well, on the law of, on the law of averages, <laughs> you know, when you're there so often and you're coming through the qualifiers all the time, you know, it'd be different if you were saying, like, he's won for the provincial championships, etc., etc., etc. You know, but certainly they're, uh, they're actually playing, whereas in the past he had gone very defensive, etc. The Armagh team actually do try to play good football and uh, they play with heart and passion. So, I mean, and, and certainly last year they turned the corner, so... I'm, 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 I'm sort of happy to see them doing well. I think that'll be a really good game. Who have Kildare got? Fermanagh. Rory Gallagher. Uh, Kildare, well, you know, I think that Fermanagh will be very flat after the annihilation in the Ulster final. You know, Kildare will be buzzing. But again, we saw that Kildare found it very, very difficult indeed to break through Carlo's rudimentary sort of, you know, blanket. And uh, Fermanagh will do very much the same thing. And uh, you would hope that Kildare won't succumb the way they did to Carlo, because it's not a shame to see, you know, better players being beaten by that sort of very rudimentary defensive system. Mm. And I mean, Kildare are bound to be on the crest of the wave now after what's been happening. Although it's all well and good going out against a, a pretty cavalier Mayo team and running through them and getting the scores. It's going to be more difficult against Fermanagh. Depends where Fermanagh are. They're bound to be very flat because the zenith of their ambition would have been to win an Ulster title hmm. and to be to be so badly savaged you know couldn't have been good for morale and I, I dare say that there'll be questions asked in this camp itself about the ultra defensive nature of the squad and the way they were set up and they the seem pretty happy with it after the Monaghan game the players to be fair okay you'd be happy after the Monaghan game but I mean the farce of it was illustrated by Ryan McMenamin running across the field in the 63rd minute against Donegal when they were already 10 points down roaring at them to push up push up push up Mm. You know, as if they had, as if they had suddenly just realised that you need to have an attack plan. Mm. So anyway, 
And in, in the Cork Tyrone game, I guess the winners of that will play host to Dublin in the Super 8. So Dublin could be going to Healy Park. Yeah, they could. And, um, you know, Tyrone were poor enough against Cavan. And they've been, they, were, they could have been beaten against me. Cork, because of the way Cork play, could really put it up to them because Cork will run the ball against them. Mm. Um, I mean, Cork were savage by Kerry because Kerry went man to man and pushed them back and didn't let them out and hemmed them in. And, you know, were at them at all times. They, they didn't have any breathing space at all. You know, normally when you're playing football nowadays at that level, you know, as Fermanagh have shown in Ulster, you're able to take the ball out of your defence without being pushed up on. I mean, the real. The, the reason that Donegal hammered Fermanagh so heavily was that they pushed up on their kickouts and didn't let them out. And um, but but against Tyrone for Cork that won't happen. So the way Kerry pressurised them and put on the full court press, they won't they won't experience that pressure against Tyrone. He'll drop back and let them play their running game. Mm. So it, that that game could go either way. I mean, obviously you'd you'd have a fancy for Tyrone because they're. They have more confidence and their Tyrone and all of that. And Cork are coming from a very low base now. And again, the most unmerciful hammering against Kerry. Mm. Joe, great stuff. I really appreciate you making a few minutes for me. That's a pleasure. That's all we have time for the throwing this week. Thank you so much for joining me. And we will be back next Monday with another podcast looking back on all the weekend's GAA action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye.